open it to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 25 through 34. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Embrace the fatherhood of God. This is something that we have to grow into. I believe this embracing of God's fatherhood is is a spiritual journey for all believers. And, And as you grow closer to God in relationship, then you would naturally begin to embrace his fatherhood more and more. The more you grow closer to his heart, the more you begin to embrace his fatherhood. Last week we saw that, that, that God is a personal and relational father on one hand. He's personal. He's relational. On the other hand, we saw that he's also majestic and holy. That means he is imminent, close to us, And he's also transcendent. That means he's beyond us. He's close to us, and yet he's beyond us. And now this morning we're going to embrace something else about God's fatherhood, and that is he knows best. The Father knows best. And so we're going to look at that in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor weep nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you a little faith. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Greek, for the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let us pray. Father, as we come to the preaching of your word, We desperately need your spirit to move. We desperately need the the spirit to work alongside the word, to preach not to just our minds, but also to our hearts. That he will apply it to whatever it is that we're dealing with. You know where we are. You know where our minds are wandering. You know where our heart is today. You know the situations that we're dealing with, the troubles in our life the things we don't want others to find out about ourselves. You know. You see behind the mask. You see behind the fakeness. You see reality. And so, Lord, wherever our reality is today, I pray that you would minister to it. That you give us hope, give us peace, 
Give us assurance that you know what is best in our life. I pray for this in your son's name. Amen. William Shakespeare says, It is a wise father that knows his own child. It is a wise father that knows his own child. And I want you to know that Yahweh Elohim is such a wise father. He knows each and every one of his sons and daughters personally. That means he knows you. He knows you. And the first thing he knows about you is that he knows your struggle. He knows your struggle. The Father knows your struggle. And, and this is what Jesus, I think, is getting to when he says, do not be anxious about your life. And the idea behind the word anxious is, is that we have, everybody has an anxious concern and care about their self. And the, this care for self is a reference to the means of life, the basic means of life that we all need to survive. People naturally care about themselves and their life. I don't care how old you are, you care about your life. You care about yourself. You care about your health, your safety, shelter, your family, your livelihood, education, food, whatever. You care about it. We care about the bills being paid. We care about having a loving family. We, we care about making sure that our kids are fed and they have a place to lay their heads at night. We all care about these things. I don't care what color you are or where you live or how much money you got. We all care about these same things, these means of life. We care about our future. You do. We all do. And, and a proper care for these things is a good thing. A proper, a proper concern for these things is wonderful. But it's when it turns to worry. It's when it turns to anxiety. There's an issue. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What shall you eat? What shall you drink? Nor about your body. In verse 31, Jesus goes on. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or what you're going to wear. In verse 34, he says, you don't even be anxious about tomorrow. What are you worried about? What, what keeps you up at night? What are you anxious about? At this very moment. We all have something. We all do. What is it for you? Is it your family? Your job? Your livelihood? Your kids? Making ends meet? Would the bills get paid this week? What is your worry? What is your anxiety? Will my marriage make it through one more hard time? Will my, will my son make it home tonight? Will my daughter be safe tonight? What is it? What is it? Now, I understand that, that some people have anxiety for medical reasons. I understand that. And, but this is not what Jesus is talking about here. What he's talking about is the worries and anxieties that stem from our unbelief. The unbelief that God is not going to take care of me. The unbelief that says God is not going to make a way for me. The unbelief that, that, that says I've got to make my own way. I've got to do it myself. I, God cannot be trusted. That's the unbelief. That's what I'm talking about. The worry that stems from unbelief. 
And that type of worry becomes fog that prevents you from seeing God's fatherly care for your life. It blinds you. Do you believe God the Father knows what is best for your life? Honestly, do you really believe that? Because if we did, our lives would look differently. The decisions we make would look differently. I'm not talking about on Sunday morning. I'm not talking about when you go to Bible study. I'm talking about in the places where you're going to be this week, when no one else is there, do you believe God knows what is best for your life? If not, ask him to help your unbelief. Ask him to help your unbelief. Remember, it is a wise father who knows his own child. God knows that you care about your life. He knows that you care about your future. He knows you care about having a means of life. And he knows that you're going to struggle with worry and anxiety. He knows that. Psalm 103 says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Everyone should have that verse memorized. God knows your frame. He remembers that you are dust. You're the one that forgets. You're the one surprised by your sin struggles. You're the one worried when I'm going to stop struggling with sin. The Father's not. He knows you are dust. He's not surprised. His concern is that he doesn't want you to live in unrepentant sin. He knows you're going to struggle with it. He just doesn't want you to live in it. He doesn't want you to live in worry and anxiety because it leads you to distrust him. That's why he doesn't want you to live in it. Because when you live in it, what you're saying is that I don't believe God is good. I don't believe he's going to provide for me. So I'm going to worry about everything in my life. Living in worry, living in anxiety fogs your view of God's love for you and his faithfulness to you. And, it, and, it, and you begin to live just like a pagan when we do that. And this is Jesus' point in verses 31 and 32. Do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Do you live like a Gentile, Monday through Saturday? That is, you live like a pagan. That is, you live like an atheist, as if there is no God. Practical atheist. How do you truly live? He doesn't want you to live like orphans, like someone who doesn't have parents, like someone who doesn't have a father. He wants you to live like sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. Jesus' point in, in, in verse 32 is he says, And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He knows you need the means of life. He knows you need resources to take care of your bills. He knows you need resources to provide for your family. He knows these things. But do we believe it?
but do we believe it? Do I believe it? The Father knows what is best for your life, even if you don't believe that. He knows what is best for your marriage. He knows what is best for your kids. He knows what is best for your aging parents. He knows what is best for your future. He knows what is best in your singleness. He knows what is best in your job and your career. He knows what is best in your finances. He knows what is best for you in all the circumstances and situations of your life. He knows what is best. Again, do we believe it? And if not, ask him to help your unbelief. And he will help it. For he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and steadfast love. He is. I now want to um, show a quick video because this video is going to illustrate to us something that is important. And that is that all worries and anxieties are not equal. show you that video to illustrate this one point. There are many people, kids, teens, and adults who worry and have anxieties because life has happened to them. Many are like this little girl. Life has happened to them to the point where they feel trapped, can't get out of worries, can't get freedom. There are things that you're going to go through there are things your kids going to go through that can be just like this little girl. Life happens to all of us. The fall has fallen on all of us. And for some of us, it has fallen on us in hard, difficult ways. And life has a way of robbing you from the means of life. It can rob you of your security. It can rob you of your safety. It can rob you of your hope. It can rob you of peace. It can throw you in a cell of worry and anxiety. There are tons of people, even maybe even some of you, who have worries and anxieties because of the wounds inflicted upon you by other people, either from abuse, abandonment, discrimination, whatever. And these individuals will have a hard time trusting that God knows what is best for their life. 
Because from their perspective, if God knows what is best for, from, from my life, then why did these simple things happen to me? If God knows what is best for my life, then why did my parents abuse me? Why did my parents abandon me? Why did my daddy harm me? If God knows what is good for my life, Pastor Alex, then why did my marriage fall apart? Why? Why? You say he's knowing what is best, but from my perspective, it doesn't look like he cares. It doesn't look like he loves me. How does he know what is best for my life when I don't have a job? When I, when I have to do bad things just to pay my bills? How, do you, how is that good? There's a family right now in, in our city. Something horrible has happened to their family. And many of you know that family. How is that God knowing what's best for them? If that was you and your family. How would you feel now about God? And I, mean, I tell you these things because there are no easy answers. Christian slogans doesn't really help people when that's truly suffering. He's still good. He's still faithful. But a sermon ain't going to take away the pain. The sermon ain't going to take away the wound. The sermon ain't going to bring a child back. But a message of letting you know that God the Father still loves you. And this is the only thing, how I can encourage you, if that's you or if you know someone like that, the greatest sign that God cares for us is the cross. The greatest sign, the greatest sign that he loves and knows what is best for you is the cross. Because at the cross, he gave his very best to redeem what was less. And that's me. He gave his very best. Because if that is not evidence enough to, that, that, that he cares, then I don't know what it is. That he gave his only son for his enemies. For his enemies. For his enemies. That's like our president giving his life for one of our enemies of our country. That's what God did. That's what he did. He gave his only son. And he also cared about every wound that has been inflicted upon you. Every wound that, 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 that has come upon you, he cares about it. He will bring healing and restoration to those wounds. There was not a wound in your soul that his love and grace can't touch and redeem. You've got to believe that. I don't care what happened to you or, or what's going to happen to you. He can heal it. He can bring hope there. He could bring peace there. But do you believe it? And you've got to understand this. Particularly to our parents. There are some things your kids may go through you can't save them from. My kids. But I got it. But do you believe God is good to them? Even in the midst of what they go through. Because you're going to have to always come back to that. The Father knows best. Even when I don't understand, He knows what's best. As I say, it's hard. No easy answers. But the Bible tells us that God is good. He's faithful. 
He will bandage up your wounds. He will wrap those wounds with his love, with his grace, with his mercy, with his care, with his forgiveness, with his faithfulness. He pursues you with a love that will never abandon you. That will never hurt you. That will never leave you hanging. That's your father. He does know what is best for you. and He gives you the very best. He is forever faithful to his sons and daughters. Jesus gives us two examples of, of how God cared for the lower parts of creation. And, and, and he, he, I believe Jesus did this so, so we can understand this point. If God did it for these things, the lower creation, how will he not do it for us also? He says, look at the birds of the air. Pay attention to them. To these little creatures who, who need to sow and weep, they don't stir up their food, but yet they are always fed. Why? Because our, your Heavenly Father provides for them. Take a look at the grass of the field. It's here today, grown tomorrow. God clothed it. How will He not also clothe you? Do you not know that you're more than them? You are more valued to Him than them? You are. He will provide for you. But you've got to believe it. And ask him to help your unbelief. Deuteronomy 14.2 says, This is you. You are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession out of all the people of the face of the earth. Now this verse was written to the people of Israel, but it also applies to the church. To you. If you are a believer, you are God's treasured possession. Where's your treasured possession? Don't you take care of it? You do. You ain't going to let anything happen to it. You're going to take care of it. That's you. God will take care of you. Now, we still live in a fallen and broken world and think we're going to go through things, but you're never alone in what you go through. He will be there for you. Sinclair Ferguson says, Anxiety can never be cured by getting more of what we already have. Many people make that fatal mistake. Anxiety can only be cured by the assurance that all of our needs will be met by our King. All of your needs will be met by your king. If you need healing from past wounds, he'll provide it. If you need healing from some addiction, he'll provide it. He'll bring the healing. If you need shelter, if you need a family, if you need a job, he will provide. But we have little faith, I know, we all do. But he still will provide. I want each of you to look at the palm of your hand. Hold it out. Look at it. You two kids. I want you to notice we all have fingerprints on our hands. Every person does. No, single, no two people have the same fingerprints. And every time you touch something, you, your finger, you, can, you leave an impression of your fingerprint there. Every time you touch something. Your fingerprint is proof that you touch the object. As a believer, when you survey your whole life, 
through the lens of the gospel. The imprint, the, the imprint of God's fingerprint is all over your life, whether you believe it or not. Every situation, every circumstance, his fingerprint, his fingerprint is there touching it, providing for you. If you've ever been redeemed from an addiction, that's God's fingerprint. If he's reconciled your broken family, that's God's fingerprint. If he's providing for you the means of life, that's God's fingerprint. Him working all things to your good is a fingerprint. Him healing you of a sickness is a fingerprint. And him sacrificing his son for your sinful soul is a fingerprint. His fingerprints will be over your life. They will, cannot be wiped away. They are permanent until you get to glory. You can't wipe his fingerprints away from your life. He pursues you with a love that has no limits, people. A love that has no limits. Isaiah 49 15 and 16 says, Can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even if these forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraven you. You. On the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Substitute your name there. I had engraved you, Alex, on the palm of my hand. Your life is continually before me. You know what that means? It means Memorial Day is every day for God when it comes to your life. Every day is Memorial Day for God when it comes to your life, when it comes to the life of his people. It means he knows and will never forget you all the days of your life. So who should separate you from the love of Christ? Who? Who will separate you from the love of Christ? Share your troubles, your tribulations, your persecutions, your sickness, your danger, sword. Knowing all these things, you are more than conquerors through him who loves you. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all the creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's gospel. That's truth. That's the love of a father. Embrace the fatherhood of God. For the hands of a good father are the hands of a healer. And that's the kind of father that we have. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that you are a healer. And I sometimes don't understand why I go through the things that I go through. I don't understand why people go through some of the things that they go through. It's, it's hard. It's confusing. Sometimes I, I don't understand your ways or why you do what you do. But I do believe you're good. I do believe you're faithful. I do believe you always make a way. I do believe you're an on-time God. You don't always come when I want you to come, but you come. I do believe, Lord, that you can heal. Sometimes we don't expect you to move. Sometimes we don't expect you to, to move in, in, in this broken world, but you do. 
The cross is evident of it. If you gave Christ, how can you not also give us all things? And so, Lord, my prayer, Lord, is that whatever we're dealing with, whatever the struggles that we have where we don't think we can get out, help us to know that, Lord, you will provide a way. You will provide the healing. Help us not to lose hope. Help us not to give up. But give us the, the courage and the boldness and the assurance and the confidence in your goodness that you will come to our aid. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Will you please stand as we close?